everyone, welcome to the Roto Grinders Morning Grind Podcast. I'm your host, DBTPFL. It's Friday, it's October 8th, it's 2021. With four baseball games to talk about here on today's slate. We might even talk a little Sunday night football just because the game is so good. We'll see where we're at here um, after the four game baseball slate. Slate starts at 2 Eastern. Uh, we're just going to break down the games, and that way, like if you're playing Showdown or however you're playing this slate, I mean, it's going to be a first look like it always is. And I mean, <laughs> it's playoff baseball. Anything can happen in these games and know that going into the slate. Um, so let's get into it. Keith, I, sir, 819. What's happening, my dude? Not much, man. Um, yeah, awesome football game Sunday night. I think we'll have to talk about that one a little bit. We've got a bit of a dud here Thursday night. Um, looked like a great matchup, Rams and Seahawks, but not much offense so far through about two and a half quarters as we start this recording, but hopefully that picks up a little too. I mean, this is, this is like the definition of a Thursday night football game, in my opinion. Um, just <laughs> rough. I mean, both offenses look rough. So yep. anyway, let's try. Let's talk uh, some baseball. Houston beat Chicago White Sox in the ALDS game one, six to one, which we were kind of talking about it a few seconds before we got started here. And doesn't shock me. The White Sox kind of rest pitchers down the stretch. Um, they were very careful with their players down the stretch. So it honestly it didn't shock me too much. I mean, I thought it'd be a little bit of a closer game, but overall, um, and then the Rays are up four to nothing on my Red Sox and the Red Sox just can't get the bats going whatsoever here against this Rays team that is just so solid uh, up and down. So um, shocking for you, Houston beating the Chicago White Sox or I mean, yeah. No, I'm, I'm kind of with you exactly what you said. Like the White Sox have had their, their spot clinched for so long that they've kind of just coasted into these playoffs. And I was a little bit concerned that they would be able to flip the switch right away. So um, not surprising in, in game one that Houston kind of put it on them um, a little bit concerned for, for Giolito in this matchup, same, same reason. Like they just haven't pushed these pitchers very hard in like a month's time. So to go out there and ask them to throw high stress innings, the whole game, um, it's just a situation that they haven't seen in like a month. So um, yeah, I, I think we'll have to factor that in. Um I think all eight or all, all of the pitchers on the slate are in play. I mean, obviously it's playoff baseball. You're going to get great starting pitching and great offenses. It's what it's part of what makes playoff baseball so much fun. Um, but I, I would say that these are two of the pitchers I have maybe the least amount of interest in out of all the games. All right, let's jump in. Um, Chicago White Sox, Houston Astros um, in this one. Eight and a half total, which is the highest total. Um, of the four games, the Astros are 120 favorite. We got Giolito against Valdez. Um, let's start here with Giolito. Any interest in him? Yeah, one other note before we kind of jump in is that pitching is looks really priced down for this. And I imagine DraftKings did that. So you can kind of, like the more casual people who haven't played all year can fit in more of the, the better hitters and things like that. But pitching pricing seems to be really soft. So you get Giolito here at 7.1K. I mean, any other slate in the regular season, we would be jumping all over that, even in a very tough matchup against Houston. Um, but when you look at the the other salaries on the board, who are all they're all kind of underpriced. So, Giolito, in my opinion, has the toughest matchup on the board. 
Um, just talked about how he hasn't really been pushed um, up to 100 pitches here recently. And in my opinion, toughest matchup on the board. So uh, I think I'll be off of Giolito. We've got a, a ton of great options. Yeah, I mean, this guy has been giving up power and fly balls to righties all season. So, I mean, I feel like you want to – you really want to be able to get strong righties out. And Houston just doesn't strike out a lot. I mean, this is a tough matchup. I mean, as far as, like, the White Sox are concerned, I mean, they had a fantastic season, but they're running into one of the tougher matchups for them um, in this in this playoffs just because, like, this offense just doesn't strike out. So, um He's not my favorite. I like the price. I know the ceiling. Um, but, I mean, it's kind of like what you were saying. He's thrown over 100 pitches once in his last seven starts, and that's concerning. On yep. uh, the other side of this game, we got Valdez in this one. Um, he's cheap. I mean, we don't have to point out the prices every time, but he's a lefty. Chicago White Sox, I mean, when you look at this lineup notoriously throughout the, you know, their careers, a lot of them are good against left-handed pitching. But this season, they've been very hit or miss. Um, what are your thoughts here on Valdez? Yeah, I mean, lowest strikeout rate on the board is my biggest concern here. He's just under 22%, where everybody else on the slate, all starters, are 26% or better. So significantly less strikeout upside here for Valdez. Um, and the White Sox don't strike out a ton. They, they're pretty a pretty right-handed heavy lineup. So um, I mentioned at the, at the top, I just I don't see myself playing either of these two pitchers um, just despite good price tags, but I, I just don't like the matchup for either one of them. That's kind of where I'm at too. Um, there's plenty of pitchers that I like on this slate. And I mean, I kind of like the bats in this game. There's a reason this game has one of the highest totals. Um, kind of like the bats in this game. So let's start here. With the Chicago White Sox bats, I mean, Abreu, uh, Robert Anderson, I think are fantastic options here. Um, I still like the stack, even in playoff baseball. Um, maybe not full five-man stacks, but I still like the, you know, I like my my favorite build for playoff baseball is usually a 3-3-2 um, on DraftKings because you don't typically see like 10 run offensive games in the playoffs, but you still see teams score. Um, so I, I like to still throw a little bit of a mini stack out there, but I mean, you can really build lineups however you want and attack however you want on these um, playoff slates. So what are your thoughts here on the White Sox? Yeah, I, I agree with you for what it's worth. Um, that correlation is still King. Um, you, you're still looking for that team, even if you're not going to get the 10 run out outburst that we're looking for in, on a full slate. Um, the team that scores six runs, it's really it's going to be important to have those three pieces or whatever. So I'm with you. I like at least three, probably four even um, for my stacks uh, in tournaments, just hoping to hit that team that, that scores the most runs. But um, agree with you. White Sox are, are one of the top options on the slate here. Valdez, the low strikeouts we mentioned. Houston doesn't have the, the strongest bullpen of some of the others that we're going to talk about. So I, I absolutely think the White Sox are in play. Um, Eloy Jimenez's price is another one that jumps out, out to me. Um, and then I think you, you have some value there. Hernandez depends on if he hits at the top or the bottom of the order, but he is, he's really cheap as well. Not that we're necessarily going to be like digging deep for value here with these prices, but, uh, he, he just jumped out as somebody who's too cheap. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk Houston. Uh, what do you like here for the Houston bets? Yeah, Houston is, is my favorite stack on this slate, I think. Um, Giolito just hasn't looked right for, for quite some time. Um, all of their prices are, 
are really great. I mean, Altuve at 4,600 is their most expensive hitter. Um, Giolito has pretty reverse or pretty neutral splits, um, gives up more hard contact, more fly balls to righties, but does have higher strikeouts to righties. So I'm not going to be picky on which hand I'm looking for here. I think all of Houston is in play. Um, they're all great with great pricing. Uh, Brantley, I know working his way back from an injury, but just 3,400, um, Tucker at just 4,000. Um, and then you got Correa, Bregman, Alvarez, Altuve. I mean, Houston's my, my top offense on the slate. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, this game as a whole, this is going to be one of those games I think is going to be a little bit more offensive, um, than the rest of the games, but I mean, it's playoff baseball, anything can happen. Um, so I definitely have a lot of Houston interests. I have a lot of White Sox interests, and that's one of the reasons that I don't love the pitchers in this game. Um, so, all right, moving on. We got Atlanta at Milwaukee. This is a 430 game. Um, forgot to mention the Astros game is a 2 o'clock game. So, I mean, lineup block is pretty early. Uh, this game has a 7.5 total. It opened at 7.5. It's currently 7. The Brewers are a 150 favorite. Uh, Morton against Burns. Let's start here with uh, Charlie Morton. Any interest in him in this spot? I have a ton of interest in Charlie Morton. Um, the Brewers have the highest strikeout rate, I believe, of all the offenses on this slate. Um, just, yeah, 24% is their strikeout rate on the season. I guess Tampa Bay did have a slightly higher, um, but still, still plenty of strikeouts in this Milwaukee lineup. And Morton doesn't quite have the name value that some of these other aces that we're going to talk about have. So I'm hoping that he comes in a little bit lower owned, um, but I really like uh, the upside for him in this spot. And um, he struggled for like a month, month and a half of the season to begin to kick off the year. So his, his numbers I think are even deflated um, as far as how much or how well he pitched in the second half of the season. Um, so I, I think he can get a little bit of an ownership discount on Morton here. And I, I love the way this sets up for him. Yeah, I mean, for me, when it comes to Charlie Morton, it's like I, I think this game is a lot closer than Milwaukee being a 150 favorite. Um, so, I mean, I think Morton is very much in play um, for a lot of the reasons you were talking about. And then on the other side of this game, it's like Corbin Burns is a guy that's capable of like 40 plus fantasy points when he's on and they'll let him go in this playoff game. If he's pitching well, um, the Braves offense is really solid up and down. It's not as good with Acuna out with Ozuna, not with the team, but it's still very good offense. But I mean, Burns ceiling wise has to be at one of the top on the slate. Yep. Completely agree with you there. Um, just a massive carry for this guy. Um, did have some some leash concerns down the stretch, but those those disappear in the playoffs. I mean, if this guy's right, he's going to go deep into the game. Uh, we'll know the Brewers also lost one of their best relievers. Um, Devin Williams broke his hand at throwing a, a tantrum after he gave up some runs down the stretch. Yeah, so they're without him, which weakens their what was a really strong bullpen. Um, so they may have to rely on their starters a little bit longer even than we were expecting. So. Yeah, definitely agree that Burns has the highest upside. Um, I think he's the safest pitcher on the slate. Um, top top option on the slate for me. Uh, bats this game. What's standing out to you here for Atlanta? I I think this is my favorite game for pitching, which is naturally going to take me take me off the bats a little bit. Not that you can't play any of them. I mean, Burns can still give up a home run. Um, but I expect him to be good here. So I don't think I'll be like full stacking Atlanta. Uh, might be looking for a home run off of him. Freddie Freeman is 
would be the top option. Um, you could look at somebody like Solaire as a cheap home power option as well. Um, but I, I don't like the, the Atlanta stack necessarily. Yeah, I don't love the stack here either. But, I mean, Freeman, Albies, Duvall, Solaire. I mean, I think all of those guys probably more as like a one or a two man would be kind of how I'm approaching this um, slate just in general. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that's how I'm kind of looking at Atlanta. And then on the Milwaukee side of things, I mean, I'm kind of doing the same thing. Uh, you know, I mean, Adamus, Escobar, um, maybe like a Yelich. Yelich is really cheap, but I'm not going out of my way to stack either one of these teams. Yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously this is a first look and we haven't built a ton of lineups, but I mean, Morton just jumped like people are going to see Burns and they're going to see sale and his price tag and Bueller. And like, I think Morton kind of falls through the cracks a little bit here. So, I mean, in my early look, I imagine that, that I'm going to get Morton at pretty low ownership and he's going to end up being my highest zone pitcher on this slate. So I won't have a ton of, of Milwaukee, but yeah, I mean, Christian Yelich at 3,300 in a playoff game, who would, who would have thought that was possible? but um, that he's definitely the one that jumps out as way underpriced. Um, all right, moving on. Boston at Tampa, Chris Sale, Sean um, Baz, I think is how they say his name. Um, very talented young pitcher. Anyway, seven and a half total in this game. The Rays, a 130 favorite, up to 155 in some places. Um. Let's start with Chris Sale. You know, we've we've been he's kind of been all over the place. Um he's been all over the place as far as like pitch count and everything. But I mean, if there's ever a chance to let him go, um I mean this is the spot. He's sixty seven hundred facing a very strikeout heavy Tampa offense. Um uh, I'm biased, but I, okay, so I've already told Keith this, but I, I, I said it before we started the podcast. I think Tampa beats the Red Sox in the series. So as, as biased as I am, I'm still a realist. Um, and I think Tampa makes the World Series this year because they're really just up and down strong. Um, anyway, what are your thoughts here on Chris Sale? Yeah, I was hoping you'd have some some insight here because, I mean, Chris Sale at 6,700, it, it's just insane. Um I think I really like the spot for him just because of what you, you touched on a little bit there. Like they were definitely handling him with like kid gloves. Once he returned from that injury, like he didn't get over, like, I want to say like 88 pitches. It looks like he did have a 195 pitch outing, um, but they really weren't letting him go. Um, they're headed to the seventh right now with Boston trailing for nothing. If, if they're going into game two down Oh one, I don't see any reason not to just push Chris Sale to the max here. And and a full leash on Chris Sale, even in a tough matchup, is something I have a ton of interest in, especially at this ridiculous price tag. So I know he's been inconsistent, but we know the talent is there. He's he's flashing his strikeout stuff still, even in this year returning from the injury. Um, I have a ton of interest in, in Sale on this spot. He struggled with some walks in that game against Washington. The pitch count climbed super fast. Washington, um, the Red Sox like had to win that game. So, I mean, they were very quick um, to pull the trigger there when Sale got in trouble in the third. But, I mean, even if his max is like 100 pitches, like 
if this dude's throwing well in this game, I would be shocked for them to yank him before 90 pitches. Um, but I think overall, um, you have to have some interest in sale. And I mean, I think you actually have to have some interest in Shane Baz on the other side of this game. Very talented prospect. Um, I mean, the only thing that I'm like semi concerned here is like Tampa bullpen's really good. If this guy gets in trouble, he might get the yank quick. Yeah. It, so I don't have the leash concerns with sale, but with Baz, I mean, this guy is their future. Like he, like who knows if they're going to be able to play glass now, or if they're even going to want to after his injury, like Baz is going to front this rotation in Tampa for the next three to four years until he gets expensive. So like leash still matters for this guy. They're not going to go out there and let him throw a hundred, 110 pitches. Um, and I agree like their bullpen is so good that, and we saw this in their, their game against the Yankees his last time out, he got pulled after two and two thirds, 51 pitches just because their bullpen is strong and they don't have any reason. Like if he comes out there and doesn't have it, I could see a short outing here. Um, obviously a ton of strikeout upside. So I do like him as like a deep tournament play. Um, but I would prefer uh, some of the other guys we've talked about. He won't be my first look on this slate, I don't think. Um, Boston, a really tough matchup. Uh, you love the strikeout upside, but I think he has more risk than some of the other pitchers on the slate. I mean, you honestly, realistically, we could have said this. I, we kind of hinted at it. You can play any of these eight pitchers. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Um, Boston bats, I mean – J.D. Martinez still out game one. This game's in Tampa. So, I mean, ballpark-wise, um, one of the friendliest pitchers ballpark on the slate. Um, I mean, I think I'm going Devers, Schwarber, Xander, Bogarts. Like, I'm kind of spending up for the Red Sox, and I'm just I'm taking the power here um, more than anything else. Yeah, tough ballpark, like you mentioned, for to like the full stack. But I, I do like playing for, I mean – just this, it's bad as what fourth career major league outing. Um, I mean, there's, there's a world where he comes out there and just can't find, find the plate for three straight batters and he doesn't make it. I mean, he doesn't record a single out, probably not the most likely scenario, but I think it's certainly within the range of outcomes. So um, I do have an interest in Boston. Uh, I do. I like the lefties first, like you mentioned, Schwarber endeavors uh, um, throw Verdugo in there as well. So I'll be looking to lefties first, and then I think you can add a couple of righties to full stack it if you want to. I mean, overall, the bullpen is so good that you're going to get lefties and righty matchups throughout this game. So, yep. Um, The Tampa side, I mean, Rosarino, Franco, Nelson Cruz, Mike Zanino, like power bats. I want power bats in this game. Um, Nelson Cruz hit a home run on – on Thursday night, and I mean, one of the older, I think he was second oldest ever to hit a postseason home run. Like, it's crazy how good Nelson Cruz has been throughout his whole career. Yeah, amazing. I think Julio Franco was the other guy that, that he fell just short of. But yeah, second oldest ever. Arosa Reina also hit one. And we, you, if you remember back to last year, he just crushed in the playoffs. How can you forget? So, yeah, I mean, this, this guy performs when it's crunch time. So definitely tons of interest in him as well. Uh, Franco and what he's been doing. Uh, Zanino, I think you can, you can take a shot on Diaz too. I don't like him quite as much as the other guys, but yeah, those, those are the guys. Um, probably will shy away from the lefties a little bit with Sale being 
just brutal to lefties. Uh, and I think he, he'll go deep even if he gives up a, a run or two early. So um, probably won't target the lefties much, but love the righty power. Right there with you. Right there with you. The righty power for me, zero chance in the lefty-lefties. Because even if – I mean, you got to kind of play the odds game, right? Um, even if sales out there and you don't, you only face him for two at-bats, you're still taking two at-bats away from potentially playing one of those lefties, and you're only getting two at-bats, and, you know, they could potentially play matchups against you. So I think you got to kind of play the odds game for the lefties and hope that, like, Brandon Lau doesn't, like, go yard on sale or something. I mean, it's possible. Anything's possible. But I think you got to play the odds game. Um, so... All right, we finish it out with uh, the series that I think I'm the most excited for. Um, I mean, yeah. anybody that's listened to the podcast all year, they've know they know that like I've been on the Giants all year. I didn't think they were a joke at all, and I mean they proved me right. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, but I mean the Giants are just a really good overall team. The Dodgers, Max Muncy's going to be out. Um, I don't know if he's out for the rest of the playoffs. Um, I would assume he'll be out, but I mean, they did say that there's a potential that he plays, but UCL tears are no joke. Um, that that's, that's, that's a month, two months, three months. I, I mean, I don't know how big the tear was obviously didn't need surgery, but UCL tears are no joke coming from the guy that has a big ice pack on his elbow right now. Um, no joke. Uh, so you must've been throwing some deaths earlier or something. I mean, yes, I was. <laughs> um, Dodgers and Giants, seven total. Dodgers, a 120 favorite in this game. Um, no respect for the Giants winning the division. Uh, Walker Bueller, Logan Webb. Let's talk Walker Bueller first. Um, what are your thoughts here on Walker Bueller? Yeah, I mean, so we've talked about a ton of good pitchers. Um, Walker Buehler is definitely that don't get me wrong, but in the context of this slate, he's one of the higher priced pitchers. And I don't know how much upside he has in this spot. Um, I'm going to have some Walker Buehler. Don't get me wrong, but the San Francisco team doesn't strike out a ton. They're patient. I don't love the matchup for him. And I would much rather target like Burns is 36% strikeout rate than Buehler's what is it? 28%. I think it was strikeout rate. So he's, he's just not an elite strikeout pitcher. Um, I think his leash is fine. Obviously Roberts can do some crazy things. Um, but we, we, and we just saw Scherzer not make it out of the fifth inning in his start. So certainly a short outing is in play. Um, but it's the strikeout stuff that I'm concerned about. Um, I think San Francisco can get to him. And even if they just make him work, uh, and he and runs a pitch count up a little bit, he doesn't rack up over a K per inning it might not be enough on this slate where you have guys like Burns and Sale who can give you a, a K or two per inning. Um, so I guess that's just a long way of saying I, I like Bueller. I think he's a fine option, but I'm concerned about the upside a little bit. Yeah, I read something the other day, too, that like Bueller's faced the Giants seven times this season. <laughs> like That's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. I, I mean, once you get over like three or four, it's a lot. Um, so I mean, two teams that are very familiar with each other, obviously. Um, it's just that, to me, that sounds like a lot. Um, I mean, that this offense is going to be very familiar um, with him. So, like, I'm obviously a little concerned about that. I'm not too – like, you're a little bit more worried about the ceiling than I am. 
because when Walker Bueller's on, he can post double-digit strikeouts against any team. But, I mean, this seems like a spot to fade him for so many reasons. Um, yeah, I think just name recognition. People love the Dodgers. I think Bueller's going to come with some hefty ownership here, which is not the case for the other guy in this game. If I'm just – I mean, obviously, it's the day, night before. We don't have ownership projections. But I'm definitely going to be keeping a close eye on that. And what I expect is Bueller comes in pretty heavily owned and Webb is completely off the radar. And I'm not sure I see the difference in, in the play, honestly. So um, that's just my initial lean. If it comes out and Bueller is not going to be owned at all, then I, my stance on this changes a little bit. Yeah, I mean, as far as Logan Webb is concerned, I think he's one of the better low-owned pitchers on the slate. Um, I mean, even being at home, like – there's no respect here for this offense. I mean, they, they don't, they, I mean, they project to lose this game in Vegas. Um, so, I mean, for me, I like Logan Webb as a low in tournament play. I hate playing pitchers against Dodgers. Um, and honestly, like Max Muncy being out helps. I mean, that's yeah. one big, that's, that's one big bat in this lineup, but I mean, it's still a very good lineup. Trey Turner, Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, Justin Turner, playoff Justin Turner, like Will Smith, like, I mean, Chris Taylor always seems to hit as well. And, and like one of the worst hitters in this offense this season is Cody Bellinger. And you look back to a couple of years ago, this dude was in the MVP. Like, like it's just crazy. Um, what are your thoughts on Webb? Am I crazy here? No, I, I don't think you're crazy. And I think he's going to be the lowest owned guy on the slate just because people see Dodgers, maybe Giolito. Everyone knows Houston is tough, but the Dodgers are right there with Houston as offenses that people like refuse to play pitching against. Um, like, it's a, it's a scary thought to run out Webb against this Dodgers lineup. I think Muncie being out is a huge deal. Webb has a, a pretty wide split. So getting their biggest lefty bat out of the lineup, I think it matters. Um, I think that helps helps Webb in this spot. Um, so assuming that we're correct and that he comes with with almost no ownership, I'm I'm going to take some shots on him. Um, it, it's definitely an uncomfortable feeling. It's still a very talented offense, but Muncie being out and and where we think the the ownership ends up, I, I like it a lot for him. So and here's the thing, right? It's a four game slate. If you are like, if you're like stacking, say you stack Houston White Sox bats and like your bats just don't do anything and you're sitting with like a Charlie Morton or something in that, like you'll know you have two and a half hours. So, like that game would be in like the sixth or seventh inning, or maybe you got like sale or something. Like, I mean, this is like one of those perfect spots. Just be like, all right, well, I got to take a shot at this point. Um, so I'm going to switch my higher own pitcher to this low owned pitcher and roll the dice. I mean, you, you, these games are so spread out throughout the day that anything's playable here. Um, you can really do anything. I, I love that point, Stevie. Like that, that's something we don't often think about for baseball. Um, in football, we talk about all the time, like late swap. If you have a low owned guy go nuts in a lineup, um, did, I mean, the best thing to do is just swap to chalk and the rest of your lineup because you're already way ahead of the field. We don't hardly ever talk about that for baseball, but this is a unique slate where it's spread out throughout the day. That, that's an awesome point. So just wanted to, to reiterate how important that's going to be. Like, like if you have Bueller in a, in a Houston stack that went, like you have the perfect four hitters from Houston or something, 
but you, you notice a bunch of Houston stacks with you or they all come in 25% owned or something like that. Swapping from Bueller to Webb is an awesome way to make that lineup unique. And if Webb outscores Bueller, all of a sudden you're all alone at the top. So just an awesome point there. Um, let's start bats in this game. You know, obviously we have respect for both these pitchers. I mean, it's the playoffs. You have really respect for anybody. Um, these teams are just so solid up and down. Um, talk to me here about the Dodgers bats. Yeah. I mean, I, we've talked about how talented this offense is, so you can certainly play them. Um, it'll depend on ownership for me. I think I'll be more heavy on Houston, the White Sox, teams like that. Um, but yeah, I, I'll, I'll take some shots on the Dodgers too. They are a little bit pricier than like the Houston White Sox stacks. Um, I don't know. Like I like Seager a lot. Muncie being out, like I would be targeting lefty power. Um, I, I don't know how comfortable I feel with Bellinger though. Um, so Seager is really the, my main target in the lineup. I, I don't mind him as a one-off even. Uh, but to stack it, not not one of my favorite spots for the Dodgers. Power, Justin Turner, playoff Justin Turner, always a guy that, I mean, it doesn't really seem like the matchup matters. This guy always shows up in the postseason. Um, Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, they offer so much upside just because of, I mean, their speed, the way that they get on base. Um, so, I mean, you definitely want to get some exposure to the Dodgers. Um and then, I mean, on the other side, the Giants, like, I love Brandon Crawford here. Um, uh, shortstop is a position that, I mean, it, it seems a little deeper for even a four-game slate, but, I mean, I think your shortstop play probably going to come from this game. Um, so I really like him. Uh, you know, Chris Bryant, obviously, the upside for him. But, like, Yaz is 3,500. Um, Wade, who down the stretch was just hitting the ball phenomenally, like the second half of the season. Like, I mean, I like some of these Giants bats for sure. Yeah, I agree with you. Again, Bueller with the with his control, um, not not a spot I look to stack necessarily, like full stack anyway. Uh, I don't mind like a three man if you want to do that to do that with the lefties. Uh, in fact, the the Crawford, Yaz, Wade three man, I actually like quite a bit. Um, but I'm with you there. I'm, I'm looking at lefties first. Um, probably won't go much over like three player exposures um, to the Giants here, but definitely in play. All right. Um, that kind of wraps up baseball. Let's talk, uh, let's talk Sunday Night Football really quick. We'll kind of break down this game. We didn't get to it on the football podcast, um, me and Grant. So we, we could kind of chat about this game. It's an interesting game. Um, one of the most interesting games on the slate, obviously we got the bills and the chiefs. It's a 56 and a half total. Kansas city is a two and a half point favorite. Um, this might be one of the better Sunday night football games we get all season. Um, maybe just primetime games in general. So it's probably going to be like 15 to 12 or something. Um, <laughs> let's start here with the Buffalo bills side of things. Um, uh, obviously, like looking at the Kansas City defense this season, they they rank 32 uh, against the rush and 29th against the pass. They're allowing a ton of fantasy points right now. Um, I mean, don't give Josh Allen room. Yeah, I mean, this game is just awesome. High, highest total of any game this week. Um, so pretty cool. We get it on a, a standalone Sunday night game where it'll, it'll have national attention. Definitely hope it's 
much better than this Thursday night game that, that we're looking at here. We should expect a ton of points in this one. Um, Kansas City favored by three, which at home, I guess that makes sense. Um, Buffalo has definitely looked stronger to start the season, in, in my opinion. But Buffalo has had a pretty easy schedule. Um, Houston, Washington, Miami, and Pittsburgh, like none of those are, are real tough. Um, but I, I still think Buffalo is, is legit, and they can absolutely keep up with Kansas City in this spot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Josh Allen, obviously, you want to play him as much as you can. Um, Steph Diggs would be the number one option in the offense. Haven't really seen him, like, get off for one of his ceiling performances yet. Um, but his targets are there. The volume is there. He's had 10 targets in three of the four games, eight, eight in the other. Um, so volume is still there for Diggs. I think it's just a, a touchdown variance issue for, for Diggs and why he hasn't really exploded yet. Um, the running game for Buffalo is interesting to me. Uh, and I think you, you game script dependent, it, right? Like you, you play it. Um, if you're building lineups for showdown, like if you're building like for a Kansas City victory, I think Singletary coming back on the other side is the guy you want. If you're playing it to where Buffalo plays from ahead, then Zach Moss is kind of the target that I'm looking at. But, um, I mean, I, so I don't love to play running backs in showdown, but I think with the way Buffalo's backfield sets up that uh, it makes for an interesting target, uh, depending on whether you think Buffalo wins or Kansas City wins, um, you just fade, fade the running back for the, the game script that you don't expect. Yeah, I was looking at this earlier, and, I mean, I, mean, I think it's Zach Moss. Uh, I mean, I feel like he is – He's the guy, I think, if you're going to play running back, the, the snap share has kind of shifted more towards Zach Moss. He's getting the goal line and, like, the high opportunity, like the, the, the carries and targets and stuff that you want out of a running back. So I think if you're playing a running back here at Zach Moss, um, obviously I'd love Stefan Diggs in this spot. Cole Beasley, terrible week four, but I'm going right back to the well here um, in this one. That Houston game was ugly. Josh Allen had to throw the ball 29 ga- times in that game. I'm not overthinking that that Houston game by any means. Um, and I like Allen, Moss, Diggs, Beasley, Sanders. I mean, maybe Dawson Knox as just like a tournament uh, showdown. Every tight end scores a touchdown play. But, I mean, you, you have to kind of like this spot um, for Buffalo going up for against sure. Kansas City. Yeah, um, Knox has actually seen an uptick in volume here recently, but the price has come up with it. Like when I first opened it up, I was hoping to see Docs Knox in like the uh, like I don't know, right around five K, but he's all the way up at six two, so that that makes it a little bit more challenging of a play. Um, Manny Sanders is priced up a little bit too, but love love the price tag on Beasley, like you mentioned at fifty eight hundred. Um, should see plenty of volume here. Uh, Gabe Davis is another like deep deep tournament dart throw. Um, he's just a thousand dollars on DraftKings, Um, and he tends to find the end zone every once in a while. Um, so I like that as like a deep tournament play. All right. Um, the other side here, the Kansas city side, Buffalo defense ranks first in a lot of categories to start the season right now. Um, they've played Houston, Washington, Miami, and Pittsburgh. I just want to throw that out there. Um, I'm just saying, 
it's been very one-sided for three of those games. So um, we're going to see what this defense is made of on Sunday night against Kansas City Chiefs. So, I mean, let's be honest, Kansas City Chiefs, it doesn't really matter who they're facing. We have interest in this offense. Yeah, definitely. Um, not concerned about the Buffalo defense at all. Um, def- very soft schedule to open the season. Like, I think they're a, an above average defense, but I don't necessarily think they're like a top three defense. Um, so, and when we're talking about the elite Kansas City offense, definitely not going to scare me off of them. I'm going to have plenty of exposure to the Kansas City side of this game, too. It, it's the same, same conundrum that we always deal with in these Kansas City showdowns. Like, you probably can't fit. Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey, especially not with the other side where you probably need one of Josh Allen and Diggs also. So you're going to have some really tough lineup decisions um, between Hill and Kelsey. I haven't had a chance to dig into, I don't know, how Buffalo plays defense or or what's going to set up for who. So Hill and Kelsey, both going to be elite options. Picking the right one is going to be one of the biggest challenges. Uh, do you have a lean on on Hill or Kelsey, just as a first look here? I mean, I always lean Hill ceiling-wise. and He showed us why last week. He showed us why in week one. Kelsey can have 30-point games, but how often is, like, Kelsey going to have, like, a 50-point game? So, I mean, I, I typically, every time I play Kansas City, I typically will have more exposure to Hill. But I'll have exposure to both of them. I always lean Tyreek, though. Like, it's just, for me, it's like, it always seems to set up for, like, Tyreek. I like that, especially on Showdown, where it's not position dependent. Like, if if you're playing, like, the two-game primetime slate, well, then it's a little bit different conversation because nobody can match Kelsey's production at the tight end position. But in a Showdown format, the tight end position doesn't matter. It's, It's really just price versus raw points, right? So... Um, I like that call there. So my question when I'm looking at Kansas City going into this game, they're using Demarcus Robinson. They're using Hardman. They're using Hill. Do we think Josh Gordon plays? They signed him off the practice squad. Yeah. And that... I mean, there's no way a team like Kansas City is just going to sign someone for show. So, I mean, for me, it's like, if Josh Allen is playing and he's active for this game, I feel like they feel like he's ready. Um, like, what are your thoughts when it comes to Josh Allen here or Josh Gordon, not Josh, Gordon, Josh Allen, yeah. Josh Gordon flash at, I mean, 1800. I think this might be one of those things where like he gets a lot of ownership. Yeah. I'll, it, that, that's going to be the question. I, I think that they did sign him because they want to get him incorporated, like finding that third pass catcher has been an issue. I mean, they, they took shots on Sammy Watkins. We've waited for McCole Hardman to become the guy. Demarcus Robinson just continues to get chance after chance. And none of these guys have stepped up and filled that role that, I mean, quite frankly, should have tons of upside because of the attention that Hill and Kelsey require. So I absolutely love the spot for Gordon. I, I think that they signed him to play in this offense and kind of, take some of that attention away from Helen Kelsey. I mean, we haven't seen him in what, three years. I mean, he had a a couple of games where he showed up for, for one or two, but like this guy's talent is off the charts. Um, He just has his demons and and has dealt with all his off the, off the field things. Uh, Early, early media reports have um, 
the Chiefs, like he's really endeared himself to the Chiefs staff and uh, to Mahomes particularly. So like, I think he's he's truly trying to give it a go. And for one game, I think you got to take a shot on him because the talent is elite and just ha- playing with an elite quarterback. I, I have a ton of interest. I, if the, the ownership gets out of control, maybe you talk about the fade. But just on the surface level, initially looking at it, I, I do have a ton of interest in seeing where this shakes out. I mean, we also got to remember Josh Gordon's 30 years old now. Um, but, I mean, when Andy Reid said someone's game ready and he's showing me something in, like, his initial workouts and stuff, like, I'm going to trust Andy Reid, too. I mean, I'll trust any coach, but I'm going to trust him enough that, like, I, you know, like, if I'm looking at Josh Gordon here, I, I want, like, Marcus Kemp and Pringle to be inactive for this game. I really want to know going into this game, like, Josh Gordon's going to play snaps. Um, so, I mean, if if Pringle is active too, I mean, I'm a little bit more hesitant if Josh Gordon's going to be popular. So that's definitely something that I'm going to be kind of paying attention to um, when the inactive list comes out. Yeah, and if it, if if it's a scenario where you start start to feel like Gordon's getting a ton of steam, I think that means that Hardman ends up way underowned in the spot. Yep. So I'm definitely going to play that by um, just kind of the feel of of what I see people talking about in the videos and the articles leading up to the slate. Um, but if, if Gordon gets steam, that means Hardman doesn't. And that means Hardman is going to be a great play because regardless of whether, whether Gordon sees snaps, Hardman is still going to have a role, I think, in this offense. So um, that would just give me more interest in Hardman. And if I was looking to fade Gordon, it would be to go overweight on Hardman. Geno Smith just drove right down the field on the Rams um, <laughs> and threw a touchdown to DK Metcalf. So <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I hope Russell Wilson's okay. I mean, both quarterbacks in this game hurt their fingers, but I mean, we'll, we'll have to see. But uh, that's going to wrap it up here for Friday. I hope everyone has an awesome weekend. If you're playing fantasy NASCAR, we'll have plenty of stuff for the roval um over in the nascar premium package so make sure you're checking that out good luck everyone we'll see you guys again on monday